Welcome to the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Today we will have our weekly mailbag with questions all about Mike LaFleur and the rest of the Jets' struggles so far through the first three weeks of the 2021 season. You are Locked On Jets. Your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If you are new to the show, this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. If you like what you hear, subscribe where podcasts are found, and we will deliver new episodes as they're posted each day. And while you're at it, leave this show a five-star review. It helps tremendously. On Wednesdays through the year, we have a weekly mailbag with questions from listeners. Our first question today comes from Matthew. John, I know you think it is too soon to pass judgment, but can you not agree that LaFleur is horribly failing? First, Wilson is not playing at NFL speed. The offensive line problems are not LaFleur's fault, but his schemes are not getting receivers separation. That being the case, how does it make sense to keep someone with Mims' speed, size, and ability to win contested catches on the bench? We saw enough of him last year to know he can play. Inflexibility is the opposite of good coaching. But this insistence on players learning his schemes instead of adjusting his playbook to fit the talent is exactly what we saw from Gase. So Matthew's question has a lot of elements to it. You cannot compare Mike LaFleur to Adam Gase at this point in time for one simple reason. Adam Gase had a lot of experience running NFL offenses. He was a coordinator in Denver. He was a coordinator in Chicago. He was the head coach in Miami running the offense. He was the head coach with the Jets running the offense. We knew he was not going to change by that point. He was what he was. Mike LaFleur is a first-time NFL coordinator. He's 34 years old. I think when you hired him, you knew that there were probably going to be some growing pains. He probably was not going to be a finished product. He was going to be learning on the job. You had to expect that there would be some rough moments. Now, were you hoping the moments would not be this rough this fast? Of course. But you have to work through them. You have to give them a chance to work through it, through them. If you aren't willing to do that, then you never should have hired him to begin with. Now, do I think it's too early to pass judgment? I think it's too early to pass definitive judgment. I don't think that you can say for sure after three games, you know what kind of coordinator Mike LaFleur is going to be in his NFL career, but you can judge the body of work so far. Do I think Mike LaFleur is doing a good job? Well, the offense has scored 20 points in three games. They have two touchdowns. There's no way the offensive coordinator can be doing a good job, but neither is anybody on the offense. And I think that this is the issue is that there's this perception out there from talking with Jets fans that the blame goes something like 60% LaFleur, maybe 10% Joe Douglas, 10% the offensive line, 15% the receivers, 5% Zach Wilson. And in reality, I think that it's probably about equal across the board between all of those elements. It's not all Mike LaFleur's fault. The players are not executing either. 
And, you know, the question mentioned Zach Wilson not playing up to NFL speed. That's not Michael LaFleur's fault. That's Zach Wilson's fault. And this is one of the issues I think people never want to blame the quarterback when the quarterback's playing poorly. Listen, I've been guilty of this in the past myself with any number of young Jets quarterbacks. And I do grade very easy on rookie quarterbacks. But Zach Wilson's not not playing well enough. I look at Mike LaFleur right now. I hear this stuff being said about him. And I wonder why anybody would ever want to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Because when the team does well, the quarterback gets all the praise. And when it goes poorly, you get all the blame. Because and it's not this way on defense. How many times do you hear a defensive coordinator get second-guessed for a play call? Once in a while, but it has to be something extreme, like Greg Williams calling a cover zero on a Hail Mary play. Everybody thinks they can call an offense in the NFL. It's not so easy. And it's not easy when you get quarterback play the what like the Jets have been getting the last couple of weeks. It's not easy when you get offensive line play like the Jets have been getting the last couple of weeks. Now, again, I don't think LaFleur is doing a good job. I wrote an article yesterday on gangreennation.com. The title was, The Jets' Offense Doesn't Make Sense. And it was critical of some things that LaFleur is doing. The insistence on two tight ends when you don't have good tight ends. You have horrible tight ends, and the Jets are using double tight end sets the sixth most frequently in the league. That doesn't make any sense. There was a fourth down play this past week where he throws to Ty Johnson on fourth and one. You've got to have it down. You're throwing to your backup running back. What's up with that? And the wide receiver position is kind of puzzling. I don't want to go too crazy on Denzel Mims because you could say we we know Denzel Mims can play. No, we don't. We don't know Denzel Mims can play. And listen, I've been a Mims fan since he arrived here. I liked Mims before the draft. But Denzel Mims putting up 40 yards a game for nine games last year, that does not definitively prove Denzel Mims as a difference maker in this league. Chris Herndon was one of 35 receivers in the history of the NFL to put up 500 yards as a rookie. That did not prove that he could play. And that was a painful lesson for me because all I did was talk about how great Herndon was going to be through the years. So yes, there are things you can critique Mike LaFleur on, but it's not all his fault. Again, the wide receiver position is a little weird because Braxton Berrios is getting too much playing time. Heading into this last game against Denver, he was the most targeted Jets receiver through the first two weeks. That doesn't make any sense at all. And last weekend, he got the second most snaps at the receiver position behind Corey Davis. Fortunately, the Jets stopped throwing to him except for the, you know, the one interception that hit his hands. He's not that good of a player. And when I hear Robert Sala talk about Braxton Berrios, I swear, I hear Rex Ryan talking about Eric Smith, talking about how smart he is, how he gets everybody lined up, how he's tough. That was what Rex Ryan said about a guy named Eric Smith. If you weren't a Jets fan 10 years ago, Jets had this player, Eric Smith, who was a good depth player. You know, he he played some big games for the Jets in 2009-2010 as a sub-package safety. Sometimes he played a little linebacker. He played special teams. He made some big plays. He had some big performances for the Jets in playoff games that they won. But that, but Rex loved him. Rex demanded that they put him in a starting role in 2011, and it was a disaster. He was one of the worst players on the team. Every single week, there was a big play that went against the Jets at the key moment. Eric Smith was at the middle of it. Sometimes coaches do let their personal views on players cloud their judgment. You see, you do see that happen from time to time. I think it's happening with Braxton Berrios, and. I do wonder a little bit. I, I don't want to see. I think people are acting like Denzel Mims is going to go in and change this offense. And that's not necessarily going to be the case. You do have to acknowledge that 
there are some question marks about Mims. He's not done that much in the NFL where you can say, I mean, his rookie year was okay. I thought in context it was pretty good, but it's not like he was Randy Moss's rookie year where he came in and crushed the NFL. But I do wonder a little bit about what's going on with Denzel Mims, and the whole Barrio situation makes me wonder, you know, is something going on that maybe shouldn't be with the coaching staff? But that's up in the air. The stuff that's not really debatable is the double tight end stuff, and they're using Ty Johnson too much in the passing game. He's He can't block. He was a bad blocker earlier in his career before he came to the Jets, and he's still a bad blocker. So I, I think that there's some nuance in here. Has Mike LaFleur's performance been bad? Yes. Is this all his fault to the extent people are making it out to be? I would say no. There are other issues here. You know, I mean, I would, I'm not sure I agree with the idea he's not scheming receivers open now. I'm still going through the Denver tape. I bought a new Mac this week, so I'm kind of getting up to speed on running the Mac. Uh, you know, I think we'll be able to do, do some good stuff going forward with it. But, I'm still a little bit behind on where I normally am on the film review, but I, I will say, like, for the first couple of games, I mean, he wasn't doing a terrible job scheming guys open. On two of Zach Wilson's four interceptions, there was a guy open that Wilson just missed. But this goes back to, I think people are a little hesitant to blame the rookie quarterback. And listen, being a quarterback in this league is very difficult. It's even tougher as a rookie, so I don't want to be too hard on Zach Wilson because through three games... We have no idea whether Zach Wilson's going to pan out. But, listen, part of it is Zach Wilson. It's not all LaFleur's fault. People want to put – you're seeing this with Chicago. Chicago's – everybody in Chicago is destroying the coaching staff because Justin Fields struggled on Sunday. Well, maybe it's Justin Fields' fault a little bit. Some of it's Zach Wilson's fault. Some of it's the offensive line's fault. Some of it's the receivers not playing well. Some of it has to go to Joe Douglas because the guys he brought in are not performing. Everybody's got to take some of the blame when this when things go wrong. So Mike LaFleur deserves some of the blame. He doesn't deserve all the blame, and it's still very early. You know, we talk about only three games for Zach Wilson. Well, it's also three games for our rookie offensive coordinator. So I think you can judge his you can judge those three games. I'm not saying he's above judgment at all. I'm saying it's too early to make definitive judgments. LaFleur has got to be better. The Jets have got to be better. But even if those things don't happen, you can still have a good weekend with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. And don't forget to use promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, your online sportsbook experts. And if you're looking for a little bit of money to use at Bet Online, I want to tell you about an incredible app, GetUpside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. 
Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. We are continuing our mailbag show on this Wednesday with another question about Mike LaFleur. John, I think it's unfair to blame play calling all the time, but without any track record to indicate he knows what he's doing, what's the threshold for success for Mike LaFleur this season? Is one year a fair sample size for an offensive coordinator? I think it depends on how bad it gets. I mean, there certainly will be a threshold where the Jets cannot continue with LaFleur next season. It's difficult to put a statistical number on it. I think a lot of it has to do with Zach Wilson. If Wilson continues to struggle a lot, the Jets may think it's in the best interest to find somebody a little bit more experienced. They may want to have a more trusted guy who has been around the NFL who they can entrust Wilson's development to when Robert Sala was hired it immediately came out that Mike LaFleur was going to be the offensive coordinator I was very excited because I thought the Jets should be targeting a young bright offensive mind somebody exposed to new ways of thinking offenses in the NFL have changed so much in the last decade you have somebody off the Kyle Shanahan tree but obviously there there's a degree of risk to hiring somebody as inexperienced as LaFleur. While you get fresh ideas, you also don't have that track record of success. So I think ultimately, though, the threshold is going to be how does Zach Wilson look? Does he recover a bit? Does he finish the season strong? You know, I look back to Adam Gase's first season with the Jets. It's something that, like, I never talked about. But it was kind of amazing to me that this did not get more attention because there was all this talk about how They didn't want to change Sam Darnold's system, which I think is one of the most overrated things for a quarterback. You want him in a good system. It doesn't matter if you're in the same system the whole time. Every single good quarterback's had to change systems through his career. But something that got lost in all of the we don't want Darnold to change systems talk is he struggled a lot at the end of 2019. It was not, he did not have a good month of December in 2019. And that was something that kind of got ignored in all of the, we, you can't change system. Well, he was really struggling in that system. It's difficult to say, you know, I think we need to watch how the final 14 games of the season play out. I don't think that LaFleur is guaranteed a second season though, the way Robert Sala is. I don't think Sala is getting fired after this year. I don't think he should be. I don't think Joe Douglas is getting fired after this year. I don't think he should be. I don't think the jets are moving on from Zach Wilson after this year. I doubt that they should. Mike LaFleur is the one guy out there. Coordinator is a very easy change to make. And if LaFleur does look like he's over his head the rest of the year, then you may have to think about making a change. Because while you do have to give him time, there also needs to be progress. There needs to be something shown to you to justify a continued continued investment in Mike LaFleur. So we'll see what it is. I think a lot of it comes down to Zach Wilson's performance, though. I think that that might be the ultimate threshold if this turns into a positive partnership and if LaFleur shows that he can grow as a coordinator. Our next question, preparing for the Titans means making sure Derrick Henry does not dominate, yet the Jets have light linebackers, all of whom are outweighed by Henry. 
How do the Jets scheme on defense to keep Henry from running all over them? Well, it it's going to begin on the defensive line. The Jets may have light linebackers, but they do have a big defensive line. A four-man defensive line typically does not have a 290-pound defensive end like John Franklin Myers, and I think it's by design. The Jets went bigger on the defensive line to maybe compensate for being smaller at linebacker. And also, in Robert Sala's defense, Jeff Ulbricht's defense, there's a lot of cover three. And cover three means that the deep part of the field is divided into thirds. One safety has responsibility for the middle, and two cor- the two outside corners have responsibility for the other two-thirds. Well, what that means is that the second safety can go and help with the run a little bit. So they're schematically trying to find balance on this defense. Yes, the linebackers are light, but first of all, they're usually adding an extra safety to help, so you have an extra body down in the box. But you also have bigger linemen to take on blocks and try and keep these linebackers clean. But ultimately, it comes down to, first of all, the defensive line doing its job controlling the point of attack, making tackles when it has the opportunity. And beyond that, it's about fundamentals. You know, Derrick Henry, I don't care how big your linebackers are. Derrick Henry is tough to bring down with one guy. You have to, when the first guy makes the stop, do you have to have guys two and three come into a system? Derrick Henry's good at breaking tackles. This isn't just about the Jets being small at linebacker. This is about Derrick Henry being a difficult guy to to bring down. So it means you're going to need team tackling. Guys are going to need to continue going to the ball and keep Keep on following, otherwise he's going to run all over the Jets, and that's what you have to avoid. Next question. How should the Jets handle Greg Van Roten and his ship-sinking loose lips? The guy is a liability on the field. Is it time to break the in-case-of-emergency Feeney glass? Well, this is quite a question. So Greg Van Roten, in case you missed it after the game in Denver, it was reported that he made a comment. He was asked about the protection issues and he said, Zach Wilson needs to get the ball out quicker. And when I heard that, I was like, Oh man, that's not good. And then I went and I actually watched the video of the clip and in context, it was not nearly as bad. I I thought as it was portrayed in the media, I think shockingly, this might be a case of the New York media, maybe blowing something out of proportion because yes, he said Wilson needs to get the ball out quicker. But he also mentioned a lot of other things. He talked about how the line needed to be better. He talked about how communication needed to be better. He talked about how, as an offense, they needed to stay out of bad downs and distance. It was kind of like a list of pretty much everything that was going wrong rather than him directly criticizing Wilson. Yeah, Van Roten's become one of the public enemies uh, of the Jets fan base. I can't say public enemy number one because that's Mike LaFleur. But I I did not expect this journeyman right guard to get such vitriol from this fan base this season. He hasn't played well. And he's got to be better, but I mean, Dan Feeney's not going to be better than him. I think you got to stick with him. Just hope he improves. Hope that maybe playing next to Morgan Moses gets his level of play to improve. I, I don't really know that there's another answer for this team at the right guard position. Maybe Van Roten's performance would improve if he had some Built Bars. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. There are nine delicious flavors. And if you have not tried all the flavors and you're not sure what you like, you can get a mixed box where you get two each of all nine flavors. And not only is Built Bar the best tasting protein bar on the market, it's healthy too. So go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15. If you do that, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. 
Thanks again for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. Today we are doing our weekly mailbag. Our next question, John, it's extremely difficult to remain optimistic about the future direction of this franchise when you consider the lack of above-average players currently on the roster. Who are your building blocks currently on the roster that you think are or could grow into potential building blocks for a future contending Jets team? Well, a lot of it's unknown, and it always goes back to the draft. And it takes a couple of years before you really know what you have in a draft class. Now, obviously, the last couple draft classes for the Jets don't look that great. I'm looking at 2019. I'm looking at 2020. I mean, 2018, you can forget about Sam Darnold's already gone. But 2019, you do have Quinton Williams, who seems like he's beginning to put it together. Did have a sack and a half against Denver after a slow beginning to his season. So Quinton Williams is beginning to put it together. You hope that the 2020 draft class looks a little bit better a year from now than it does at the moment. Right now, things look rough, but if Becton gets back and he starts playing well again, maybe Ashton Davis gives you something. Bryce Hall does look like a guy who's holding up pretty well at this point. So the book's not written on the 2020 draft class. It's funny because at the end of last season, everybody was really high on the 2020 draft class, and now everybody's really low on them. And maybe you'll get some balance. Maybe we'll, maybe the pendulum will swing back and we'll see positive things. And this year, I mean, you got seven, eight guys seeing significant playing time. Some of them were playing pretty well. I think both Michael Carters are playing well. The original Michael Carter, the running back, and the, the sequel, the slot corner. I think both of them are playing really well. I think Vera Tucker, it's a little inconsistent, but I think so far in context after missing a preseason playing pretty well I do think Elijah Moore at some point is going to break out I mean I I, watching him on the film and he looks pretty good I think they got to feature him in the game plan a little bit more so there's some reason for hope and obviously a lot of this comes down to Zach Wilson you know you want to talk about building blocks well it's got to be at the quarterback position so hopefully Zach Wilson will improve but I think there's a lot that's unknown about these last couple of draft classes. I think it's too early to give up on the 2020 draft class. And I think at this very, very early moment, there are some signs of hope for the 2021 draft class. And our last question, and it's about the preseason. John, what set of eyes do you use for preseason? I've been out of the New York market for four years and the local team was getting shredded for preseason. They did not win a game. The starters did not look good, especially the quarterback, and they are now 3-0 in the regular season. And yet our New York Jets looked so promising, practiced so well, and are, well, the New York Jets. When will people realize the preseason is more of a walkthrough for starters with basic plays, and the rest of preseason is to evaluate players who likely won't make any NFL roster? I don't know. I say it every year. I try and tell people every year, don't read too much into the preseason. And what do people do? They read too much into the preseason. Please stop reading too much into the preseason. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. When you're asking that question, don't blame me. I do my best to tell people preseason doesn't matter that much. Take it for what it's worth, but understand that the context of what comes out of those games is not that important. The most important thing out of preseason is stay healthy. If the Jets have been able to do that this year and they still had Carl Lawson around, maybe things would look a little bit better. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Hope you have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.